Welcome to What I Wish I Knew by Dental Head Start, your weekly mentoring session thanks to cpdjunkie.com.au. For us students and new grads, communication is an area that doesn't get much attention but can make or break a moment when talking with patients. Do you wonder how you can explain more complex topics to patients in simpler terms? What about explaining pros and cons or risks about certain procedures? How will they even trust you enough to let you do such a procedure? What's up guys, Graham here from Dental Head Start and in this interview with clinical associate professor, Dr. Tony Au, we talk about all things communication. Tony is a specialist prosthodontist in Sydney who deals with complex cases and complex patients daily. Tony provides us with his top tips on how to deal with pushy patients, how to use analogies to help patients understand concepts, and how to bed a patient. Yeah, you heard that right, how to bed a patient. If that doesn't pique your interest, I don't know what will. Let's jump right into it, where Tony's talking to us about how to identify a complex patient. Well, I, I, I can sort of pick it up from the referral sometimes, so you can read between the mm. lines. So, I mean, the case could be difficult technically, or there may be a difficult person attached to it. And uh, yeah. so, I mean, uh, if the case is difficult, that's okay. Uh, we're trained to, to deal with difficult cases. Sometimes they are referred uh, because the case is actually quite easy, but the person is difficult. Other times it's both, and that becomes a real right. challenge. Of course, sometimes you can read mm. between the lines in the referral uh, just by how many people they have seen, uh, how many treatment they have received, and what's worked and what hasn't. So, you, and sometimes uh, you can you can sense it in in the referral, and uh, particularly when uh, different various treatments in the past have not worked, then you know that mm, this this could be a, a difficult case. Or if they come with a stack of of reports from other people, you know, so you, you right. kind of uh, have a an inkling that this this case could be quite complicated. Then, of course, when they fill in their history form, their medical history, their dental history form, again, I I, I get another sense of uh, or an indication that it, it could be difficult. Uh, sometimes in their medical history, they'll indicate that they're suffering from depression or anxiety. There is a question in the dental history uh, where I ask them, are you satisfied or happy with the people you have seen in the past? All right. Now, that could trigger <laughs> a lot of information. <laughs> and also, by the way, they fill out their form. Some, some of them will leave certain questions blank. Others will put too much information in. Um, and so the way they fill in their forms also give me an indication of, of what I could be dealing with. Yeah, that's interesting. You, you've developed a, a really great way of, of being able to identify these patients and, and I guess maybe understand a little bit more about them before you even have them in the chair. Uh, that's, that's great. Let's say we have, uh, you know, we're a new grad. We're, we're, we're just within our first year out. We're just starting to kind of get the, the bearings of the practice that we're working at, what it's like being in private practice life. You have a patient come in who is uh, quite 
pushy and uh, in terms of push for treatment, even though despite your clinical judgment may not be the most ideal and you feel like a patient is pushing you to do something. Do you have any advice in dealing with uh, pushy patients? Right. Um, So in the interview, I always ask them uh, what their main concern is and, and why. Uh, so I establish, and, and I often ask them the magic question. The 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 question I say, look, if you had a magic wand, what would you like to see being fixed? All right. So I'll give you a magic wand. Snap. Okay. What would you like uh, to see happen? And they will tell right. me, okay, um, I want a crown on this tooth or something like that. All right. I would say, okay. Then I stretch them a little bit, uh, and I say, look, okay, this broken down tooth that you've got. What is it stopping you from doing? Okay, mm. so basically, then they they think about okay, why do I need this crown? Um, and then I'll say to them, um, okay, so they they'll give me a uh, a reason, and then I'll say, okay, do you mind if I have a look uh, and see whether I've got a solution for this particular problem that they've mentioned? All right, so they may mm. say. Oh, I can't chew my food on the, my right hand side, uh, so I'm, and I don't have enough teeth on the left. So, and therefore I need a crown. Da da da. And so I mm. said, okay, well, uh, let's. Do you mind if I have a look to see how I can solve this problem for you, so that you can eat on both sides again? You know. So n- now they mm. um, they realize that I've heard them. I, I've I understand what what their problem is and what they can or cannot do. And I'm trying to look for ways to solve their problems. So I preempt my examination with that. Then when right. I have a look in the mouth, um, after I get permission to have a look, I'll have a look in the mouth and then I usually would verbalize what I see, uh, actually pretending that I'm actually charting so I will say something like, mm, okay, uh, this tooth is badly broken down. There is a, a furcation involvement. Um, and then I'll interrupt the examination and say, oh, um, uh, you will hear me uh, mention some numbers, uh, one, two, and three. Now, uh, a furcation involvement is like um, a tree. You know, if you've got a tree and the soil has... Um, soil level has dropped uh, and the roots are exposed so now uh, you see the roots exposed and it's kind of like the tooth you know when the bone level in the mouth has dropped the gum have dropped the roots of the tooth are exposed now if you can pass an instrument in just a little bit then that's what you call vocation one Uh, if i pass it halfway in it's a vocation two if i can go all the way through from one side to the other uh, like like a tree, you know, go from one side of the tree to the other side and come mm. on the other side, it's a vacation three. And now they understand the terminology. And then I go back to, after I explain that to them, I go back to the mouth and then I look at the tooth again and, and then I'll, I'll do it and I'll say, oh, uh, and I'll, I'll say to my assistant, it's a vacation three. And the patient knows. That's right. Now yeah. the patient understands what, what it means. You could do the same with pocketing, you know, and say, uh, now I'm going to have a look at the uh, bone level uh, and the health of the supporting tissue around the tooth. Now, you will hear me sing out some numbers. 
and I then I illustrate and I stop the examination and I illustrate to them, uh, look, this is. Uh, I, I get them to look at my my hand and my sleeve, and uh, I say, and I use a pencil and I pass the pencil uh, down past my sleeve to touch my watch band, right? And I, I peel back my sleeve to show them the watch band. And then, and then I say, the watch band represents the bone level. And then I cover the watch band up with the, my sleeve again. And I say, okay, now uh, the, the pencil represents the instrument that, that I'm going to use. And that goes past the, my sleeve and, and it'll touch my watch band. And it's the same in the mouth. The instrument will go past the gum level to, uh, to the level of the bone. Now, if uh, it's one or two or three millimeters, uh, then it's normal. But if it's uh, four, five, or six millimeters, that means your bone level has dropped that much, and you may need some gum treatment, and the tooth is not very healthy. If it's more than six, then the pro- long-term prognosis of the tooth is not, not great. And so then I, I would just uh, resume the examination and then... Um, and probe around the tooth, and I'll sing out some numbers, uh, maybe a six on the mesial or front on the, uh, an eight on the distal. And I don't say mesial or distal. I will say, oh, uh, six millimeters on the front of the tooth or eight millimeters on the back of the tooth. So by the time I finish the examination, they sit up, and they, they, they are now telling me, hmm, that doesn't sound like a very healthy tooth. I have an eight millimeter mm. pocket on the back of the tooth, and I said, "Yep, you're right." <laughs> so now it's not coming from me; it's they're, they're saying it. You know? and I say, "Yeah, you're right." Yeah. And then I say, "Do you want to put a three thousand dollar crown on a tooth with a question mark prognosis, or should we look for another way to help you chew on your right side, or or on both sides, or whatever?" Yeah. And now they're open to another uh, option or possibility. Yeah, they're asking for a solution. You're not. Yeah, right. You're not just giving it. They're understanding what's what's happening in their mouth. It's that time of year again. Before June 30, we have to renew our indemnity insurance. And when I look for an insurer, I'm looking for someone who's going to be there when I need their help. They're going to act fast and they're going to be by my side so I can practice with confidence. I get all of that from Dental Protection Limited. What I love about them is that they're more than just an insurer. They're actually here to help us, to give us content and support us with medical legal situations and most importantly, help us avoid these situations. The content they produce is the best content out there from an insurer like them. Renewal notices are out in May. To make sure you get all of these added benefits, sign up by June 30. I can say from personal experience, when you need help, you'll be glad you're with Dental Protection Limited. Thank you, Dental Protection Limited, for supporting me in my career and the Dental Head Start podcast. Uh, just in terms of uh, for the new grads kind of starting out with COVID happening, there hasn't been as much time in the hospital clinics as we would have liked. So it may be, we may be a little more nervous going to do that indirect restoration or doing the, the endodontic treatment. How would you kind of go about uh, having ways to not protect yourself because obviously it's care for the patient, but setting yourself up so that if things don't go to plan, you have a, a way of rectifying the situation. 
Right. Uh, that's a tricky one. Um, it depends on uh, initially uh, during your uh, initial consultation whether you can pick up uh, clues that, that may warn you of potential procedural difficulties. So, for example, if uh, I have a, a denture patient, let's say, and uh, they've had difficulty wearing dentures, and uh, then I would, uh, in my initial examination, again, I would uh, pretend I'm, I'm charting to my assistant, but I, I would mention like, okay, let's have a look at um, the muscle attachments, uh, whether there's a high freno attachment, uh, or whether the teeth are mobile and, 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 and whether there's a flabby ridge or something like that. And then uh, at the end of the examination, I would actually write it down on a piece of paper um, and as a, as a little review type of summary of what I found. And I would say, well, this is a challenging case because this high freno attachment and and it's kind of like you know the dentures sitting on a trampoline it's going to bounce <laughs> uh, or there's a dry mouth and so when there's a dry mouth the the denture will rub on dry tissue and, and uh, so ulceration will be uh, will be likely um, or there's mobile teeth you know so I've summarized all the negative things uh, on a piece of paper for them so that they now understand that we're dealing with a challenging case. So if my treatment doesn't come up to expectation, then it's not my problem anymore. It's they understand is right. that their oral condition, their oral health is the problem. And we're just trying to help them uh, as best we could. But if you didn't tell them initially, then it becomes your problem. <laughs> Right. So you've got to inform them of the degree of difficulty that you're dealing with, uh, the problems, and then you're seen as the person trying to help them. But if you don't mention mm. these issues beforehand and they don't understand the difficulties, the pr procedural difficulties that you're dealing with, then if something goes wrong, it's your problem. <laughs> Yeah, it's like you're, you're, you're almost coming up with excuses afterwards rather than telling them about it beforehand. I know you have things in place for like patient comfort, like having the, having the music on, the, the incense, having... I thought it was probably the coolest thing that I, when I came to your practice was the little buzz box when, when a patient is uncomfortable. I love that. Mm. Yeah, it puts, it's called the control box. And it was uh, invented by a friend of mine, uh, Dr. Paddy Lund. Uh, who wrote the book uh, How to Build a Happiness-Centered Business. It's uh, written by uh, a colleague of mine uh, up in Queensland. Uh, it's a funny story. I, I went to my 20-year school reunion, and I sat next to uh, the head of Westpac Bank, uh, who, who was my school captain. Um, and I said, oh, what's happening in the banking world these days? And he said, oh, strange you should ask because we're consulting a, a dentist for our customer service. I said, a dentist? Customer service? What the? <laughs> yeah. oh, what? Did I hear right, you know? And he said, oh, yeah, this dentist in uh, Queensland, uh, his name's Paddy Lund, and he's written this book called uh, Building a Happiness-Centered Business, and he got some fantastic ideas. And so he sent me Paddy's uh -huh. book. And... Uh, 
So I uh, read the book and I thought it was great. And I actually flew up to Queensland to meet Paddy and have a look at his practice. And, uh, and so Paddy taught me quite a few things. At the time, we were just starting up Dental Specialists of Taramara and we haven't even designed the, the place yet. And so Paddy gave me a lot of um, design ideas on how to design the practice. And mm. he said, make sure the patient comfort area occupies the same amount of space as your clinical areas. He said, never compromise on the patient comfort areas. It should be equal amount of space as your clinical areas. Now, that was a bit of an eye-opener. So, Mm -hmm. you know, he had coffee lounges. He had, you know, uh, places for the kids. And and those spaces occupy equal uh, amount of space as clinical areas. Wow. So we, we designed the practice uh, in that way as well, according to Patty's advice. Yeah, the, li- the listeners wouldn't know what your practice looks like, but it's a, it's a very nice, tall ceiling building that when you walk in, you have some nice seats and you're greeted by a reception and you can go up some steps and there's another little, I guess, a waiting area where you can sit, relax, have food, drink, and just uh, hang out. Those are completely separate areas from the clinical areas. I've learned from different people over the years, you know, so it's a conglomerate and a mixture of various things that I've learned from various people. That's all, that's all part of dentistry, right? It's just learning from different people and taking the best parts. It's 2021. We're used to cloud-based software enhancing and optimizing every aspect of our lives. But what about something we use every day? our dental practice management software. Now imagine something rethought from the ground up, designed for intuitiveness, leveraging the capabilities of today's technology. Something that optimizes our daily workflows and actually meets the changing needs of modern dentists to stay competitive and connected. Principal practice management software is just this, intelligent, efficient, and intuitive because it's 2021 and you can expect something more. Go to principal.dental to learn more. One thing I've learned from you is the BED protocol that Prime Practice talks about. Did you want to explain what that is? Oh, the BED program I learned from Prime Practice from Prime Speak. Uh, in fact, most of these uh, these uh, techniques I've learned from uh, Prime Speak, which which is a fantastic course, um, and uh, people should really consider doing it. BED means uh, well; it's basically a form of of communicating with the patient. Uh, B stands for well, the, the the bedding of the patient means building trust. B, uh, E means exposing the condition, and D is deepening the concern. So there's a lot lot of ways to build trust, of course. The worst way to build trust is to put all your degrees on the wall. (laughs) (laughs) People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So I, in my Mm. practice, I have no degrees on the wall. I have no right. certificates on the wall. 
we give them a five-star hotel customer service. And uh, so they feel they're looked after. And the way I talk to them, I interview them, I spend time with them so they know that I, I have their well-being uh, as my chief concern. And they know that solving their problems is my main concern. And, and mm. I communicate them to them in such a way that they realize that I, I do want to know what their problem is and I understand and I reflect uh, their problem back to them just to make sure that I fully understand what they want and what their goals are. That builds trust more than your degrees on the wall <laughs> and your certificates mm-hmm. on the wall. So that's, that's building trust. Uh, and there's a lot of other ways to build trust, uh, which I don't have time to uh, go into. I know you could go all night about that. <laughs> that's right. Or building trust, you can go all night about uh, building trust. Uh, another one would be third-party referral. So people who find me on the internet, uh, they're a lot more difficult to deal with than somebody who has come by the referral of a friend. So if you can set up a mechanism where all your patients that come are referred by a third party, like a friend maybe, uh, if you're not in a specialist practice, uh, you can encourage internal referrals from other patients. And patients that uh, are referred to your practice because other patients have had good uh, good feedback are much better patients that pa- than patients that come come up as a cold contact. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, they ha- you have that relationship through someone. That's right. So that that is another way to build trust. The ex- the E stands for exposing the condition, and and that's exactly what I spoke about earlier. Uh, that is using uh, what prime practice call uh, uh, eavesdrop exam, where you uh, verbalize what you find in the mouth as if you're chatting to with your uh, dental assistant. You verbalize what you find in the mouth in language uh, that they could understand, that they could identify with. And you use analogies and examples, everyday examples that they can identify with. And that's how you expose the condition while you're doing your charting. Deepening concern, of course, is is part of that process as well. So instead of saying, you know, uh, there's gingivitis uh, and there's uh, periodontal problems on the 2-7 or something like that, uh, or there's um, plaque deposits on the buccal surface of 27, you say, and you're pretending you're charting uh, with the uh, dental assistant, you say mm-hmm. there's a bacterial colony uh, on the cheeks side of the upper left second molar. The bacterial colony is producing acid. The acid is burning the gums. The gums are inflamed and red and bleeding. Then you move on. And you mentioned that in a very monotonous manner. There's no reason to, there's no need to dramatize it. And you just speak in a monotonous voice. You describe it in language that they could understand. Uh, What you want is that by the time they sit up, they'll say, oh, my goodness, um, what's going to happen to that bacterial colony on the cheek side of my upper left second molar, you know? It's Mm -hmm. causing bleeding. Is that a problem? How should I clean that off? Now they're asking you for advice. Yeah, so that's how you expose the condition and deepen the concern. Oh, that was really great. Yeah, thank you for all that wonderful information, uh, Dr. Ao. 
My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the Dental Head Start podcast. I genuinely hope this is helping you become a better dentist. So if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe on your podcast player and I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to social media and share something that you've appreciated from us with one of your friends. That's how the word gets out. That's how more people gain and benefit from what we're doing. And if you're a dental student or a graduate and you want to get a head start, go to dentalheadstart.com to find everything we're doing to help dental students become great dentists.